The pastor was shaking the hands of the parishioners who were leaving after the service. One of them came up to him and said, Pastor, you really made me think today. Don't you ever do that again. Well, I hate to tell you, but these lessons, the gospel where Jesus is talking about his being the bread of life, are tough. We think through them. We have to kind of work them to be able to make some sense out of them. When I was in seminary, my professor said, you need to almost look at the Gospel of John with bifocals. The first top, you look at just surface from a distance. The second, the bottom, you look very closely. And you see that there's a hidden meaning there. There's a symbolism. And you take both of those, and that's the gospel that works on you and works with you. Today, we have that wonderful, wonderful scene of Jesus' fellow Jews coming to him, having heard about his saying, I am the bread of life. And they say, there's no way you could be the bread of life. Because we know your mother and father. You're one of us. You grew up around us. You can't possibly be that manna from heaven. By the time that Jesus and his fellow Jews were looking over the scriptures, that understanding of manna coming from heaven was not only the food that fed them in the wilderness. It was also the wisdom and the teaching of God. And they wanted that manna always. And they knew that this Jesus was not the manna. Now, I didn't know what manna was. So I did what every one of us does when you don't know something. You Google it. And you find Wikipedia. And you find some other articles. And you kind of read five or six of them and you get a gist of, of really what's going on. Well, the folks who have studied this very carefully said that it was probably resin that fell off the tamarack trees. It's loose, kind of a resin juice. It falls down, and when it falls, it becomes hard, flaky, and white. And there's gobs of it. And in the Judean areas and the Arab areas of Peninsula, Sinai Peninsula, they are still selling it. It's valuable. The Israelites had a tough time going through the wilderness. The area and the distance from Egypt to Canaan is 11 miles. That's all. But it took them 40 years to go that 11 miles. And we asked why. And we read through Numbers, and we read through Exodus, and we realize that they were disobedient to God. They didn't listen. They built idols. They had all sorts of excuses not to be obedient to Yahweh, this God. And God essentially said, okay, let's take another trip. Let's go this way just a bit. And then they were more disobedient. He said, okay, let's go down here a little bit. And they were continued to be disobedient 
and it took them through their journeys 40 years to get to the promised land. Many of them did not make it, which is why Jesus said in the gospel, your ancestors ate the manna, but died. Those Jews, fellow Jews of Jesus, by the time the scriptures were being interpreted in Jesus' day, realized that he was not this man. He couldn't be. We know him. He's not the God. He's not the man. So we look at manna, and we look at the man, and we look at the meaning of all of that for us. They looked at Jesus, one of their own, and said no. And Jesus said, unless you have studied, unless you've learned from my Father, unless you've been in a relationship with me, you're not going to understand what's really going on, what God is doing in my life and sharing it with the world. You need to be a disciple. You need to listen. You need to learn. You need to be with me and not stand back and look just at the past and think that that defines the present. Years ago when I was in New York and quite honestly struggling just a bit, Bishop Serby said, Gene, you've got two choices. You can go to Chicago or you can go to New York. Chicago didn't work for me. I said, I really want to be beat up. So I went to New York and it did. I went to General Seminary. And after 10 years, life was rough in New York. And I had questions about my call. I had questions about scripture. I had questions about my parishioners, who they were, why they wanted me. They seemed to not really care. And yet there were others who, who fully dived into their discipleship. And I had broken up with someone and I was really distraught. I heard about a man who was a doctor, but also a therapist, who was really good. He had an ability to listen to you and to know what's really going on inside your body. I had been with him about three weeks, twice a week. Not much was happening, I thought. I went for the fourth week. I was the last person in the office. And he comes out, and I get up, and I go toward him, and he tackles me and knocks me to the ground. And I said, get off. I said it louder the next time. And the third time, I had to put a little bit of expletive with it. It didn't work. He held me down there. He talked about some things. I don't even really remember the gist of it, the exact thing he said, but I do remember this. He said, I'm going to tackle you next week if you don't start forgetting the past and live in the present, which is a way of saying, let go of the manna in the wilderness and live here. Look at your call. Look at what God is doing in your life now. Let's talk about that. It may be as rough as the wilderness, but it's present. It's not living in the past. And so we talked week after week after week. There were times I cried because he got me in touch with what was really going on. 
and there are times we laughed because he talked about various things that were going on in my life in New York that we just enjoyed. But he knocked me down and said, let's look at what's going presently. And we might look at the future. Every one of us, I would imagine, has had times when we just don't know what's going on. We have a lot of questions. We have frustrations. We have hurts. We have names that we've been called, experiences that we've gone through, people who have mistreated us, and we are still carrying that in the body. And that's what was going on with me. And the doctor, who I called Dr. Zoom, because he knew so much, said, let's take all of that, bring it to the present, work on it, and hold it before God, and let's get it transformed. The manna we might want, we keep going back, and we get that resin. But it dries on us, and it becomes flaky, but we've got to eat it right away or it starts to stink. And we all have, I bet, things like that. But living in the present, we listen to this God of love. It doesn't dry. But it's always living and present with us. In just a little bit, we are going to bless the backpacks of our young people. I hope there are a lot of them. Our little people who are just getting ready for school. It may be the first time that they've gotten out of the house and into a, a schoolroom. And we hope they can stay there and this variant of COVID doesn't make them go out of the schoolroom again and be home. There's some other children who've been at home living and looking at and studying with online teaching. And they're looking forward to doing something different, getting more knowledge, and they're excited. But every one of them is a little uncertain, just like our Israelites were in the wilderness. We know what we've been told to do, but can we actually do it? Will God get us there? They all have backpacks that they're going to bring up here, and I'm going to bless They've got pencils in them and erasers and paper and maybe some tape and all sorts of things that they'll need for school. You and I have backpacks too. We carry them with us everywhere we go. Maybe we've got a pencil of hurt. Maybe we've got an eraser. It's just not doing everything it needs to do to get that past out of my life. And maybe we've got some tape that we're just wrapping around, wrapping around, wrapping around that whatever that was that was hurtful back there can't escape. Every one of us has a backpack. I'm going to give the little kids a little name tag. But it's not going to be their name. It's going to be a name that God has given all of us and called us to. One of the name tags is pray big. Because I'm God, pray without ceasing. And every one of us, every day I need to do it. 
I need to attach this to the backpack that I'm carrying around and remind me that I need to pray not to get stuff as our Israelite sisters and brothers did, but to be given over to this God of love, to pray. One of the other tags is love big. Because I'm God, love with all your heart. I don't think we're able to love unless we pray. Unless we really get honest, as my Dr. Zoom wanted me to do. Leave the past, live in the present, and let that be transformed. We need to pray. We need to love. But we need to live big. Live big because I'm God. Live your lives in Him because He lives in you. Take on a new ministry. Live big. Pray about something that you can do in the parish that seems to be neglected. Pray about some people that you have not seen in our pews. You called them. Maybe you've heard about their being sick. Call me. I will let all of our pastoral care team know about them. Take on something new. Pray hard. Love big. Live big. This gospel today is calling us to look at this Jesus who says, I'm the bread of life. I'm not going to dry up in the wilderness of your life. I'm going to continue to be alive and give you the living bread. I don't know what that's going to look like, and you probably don't either. But pray about it. Love a lot. Live big. And watch out. Because this bread of life will take us places into grace, into love we can't even imagine right now.